Welcome to the G3 Podcast, a weekly podcast focused on the Christian life where we examine doctrinal and cultural issues that impact God's church. My name is Josh Bice, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jeremy Voilo. Welcome back to the G3 Podcast. As we gather uh, in our homes, as we gather in our small, confined spaces during this time of social distancing, we wanted to talk about that very subject today. As we're living in somewhat uncharted territory and as we're living in a season that's very odd, to say the least, as we think about the COVID-19 confusion, the panic Uh, All of this related to this pandemic that has uh, been elevated to that status by officials. And as we're hearing health officials and the CDC and the president of the United States requesting for people to remain disconnected, to engage in what they're calling social distancing, and to keep mass gatherings to a minimum. In fact, to a, a very minimum, to only 10 people. So when we hear of these things, we need to think in terms of what does God expect from his church? Now, we must remember that we're hearing a lot of of opinions online. We're hearing people say, well, you know, we should live stream services. And then we're hearing other people saying that we should be ashamed of ourselves if we as a church would disconnect and not trust God during this season of this COVID-19 virus outbreak. And so should we actually, as a church, go against the CDC and go against the presidential request for us to remain disconnected when we hear uh, these requests that are coming about from uh, health officials and experts in the scientific community stating that if we can remain disconnected for a period of time, it will prevent a massive explosion of this of this virus. And so now we're hearing people say, well, if you really trust God, and if you really believe that God is sovereign, then you should continue to meet through this season, that you should not allow the government to intervene in your worship and in the life of your church to cause you to disassemble, because we're called to assemble, and we're called to be a together people, and we're called to koinonia, to Christian fellowship, and we're called to worship God together. So if we're going to care for one another and pray for one another and serve one another, and if we're going to engage this way, then we must not listen to the government officials. Is that wise? Is that proper? Now, what we must understand is we, we need to differentiate between the government stepping in and saying, you should not worship Jesus. Because at that juncture, we would have to exercise great wisdom, and we would have to say, well, we should obey God rather than man. And so we would intentionally violate that statute, or we would intentionally violate that ordinance. But when it comes to something like this, that's not the same thing. That's not apples for apples. It's not a great comparison there. What we're seeing is we're seeing that these officials are asking, they're requesting for us to do this. So I think that we should, instead of thinking in terms of being, you know, somehow oppressed or having our freedoms uh, 
stripped from us as far as worship is concerned, we should be thinking in terms of Romans chapter 13, that we as Christians should actually submit ourselves to the governing authorities because they are given for our good. So it's during this season where we should consider that they're actually making decisions for the good of the church. And yes, it's an inconvenience. And yes, it's it's very difficult to remain disconnected during this season of social distancing. But we should not be given to the shame game during this season. We should actually consider the fact that we are called to assemble together and to worship together and to serve one another and to put on display our own gifts to serve the body of Christ for the glory of God. But during this season of social distancing, we have to exercise great wisdom so that we're not given to the idea that we're somehow disobeying God by staying home in our living rooms and engaging in an online worship service. Certainly we understand this is not this is not an indefinite decision. This is not a decision that's being made for the future of the local church's worship. This is a temporary season, and it's for the care of the elderly, which are the most vulnerable within our churches. This is for the care of the whole church, for the young among us. So we need to think critically as we hear these reports and then we log on to social media and we hear people talking about the fact that we're somehow not trusting in the sovereignty of God. Actually, that's not true. We actually are trusting in the sovereignty of God because this sovereign God that we worship, our sovereign God has given us a mind and he has given us wisdom to think through the complexities of this very difficult season. And so during this difficult season, we need to think in terms of Christian koinonia. We need to think in terms of worship. We need to think about the passages that talk about the togetherness of the church and loving one another and caring for one another and the pastors overseeing the church and shepherding souls. And how do we go about this? during this very difficult season where we're called to disassemble, when we're normally assembling together and praying together and worshiping together. So for that very reason, we want to have a conversation today to talk through these challenges. And I thought it would be really good if we could have a conversation with a couple of pastors. So myself and Anthony Mathenia, I wanted to have a conversation about this very issue to think through how he is leading his church, decisions that he's making within the context of his church in Radford, Virginia, and then also us here in uh, in Douglasville, Georgia, just on the west side of Atlanta. How are we engaging in the care of the flock, and what advice could Anthony perhaps give to help local churches think through this need for engaging together and loving one another and caring for one another during the season of social distancing. Well, today I'm very pleased to be joined by my friend Anthony Mathenia as we gather for the purpose of discussing uh, these challenges that we face today uh, as it pertains to the local church and the need to remain connected during this season of social distancing. So welcome to the conversation, Anthony. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. As we think through the issues that we've been faced with, as we've been listening to the, the, the ongoing barrage of, of news stories, 
we've been hearing the need for us to be disconnected. And as we know as pastors, so the, the, the two of us speaking as pastors, as we think about the need for good pastoral care in a time where like two days ago, there was a surgery for one of our elderly members. And I was told I could not go because of the fact that they're not allowing anyone except immediate family members because of this COVID-19 season. I mean, how do we think through pastoral oversight and the need to care for the flock during this season? Yeah, it's interesting days for sure, uh, particularly those of us our age, your age, my age. We haven't seen anything like this um, in our time. So we want to be intentional with how we care for them. And I don't think we have to overthink it too much as well. We're kind of prone to overthink everything, uh, particularly when the news media is just flooding us with information uh, of all stripes. Uh, we do have the privilege of going to the throne of grace on behalf of our people, of praying for them. We have technology at our fingertips. Most of them uh, we can access via uh, some type of technology, whether text message or email or phone call. Uh, we have to take advantage of those things. And those are things that have felt impersonal, uh, particularly for the older generation for quite some time. But for the older generation who are sitting at home now, isolated and lonely, uh, a text message, an email, a phone call actually goes a long way to express love and concern. Yeah, absolutely. Yesterday, our staff here, we actually have prepared a letter to go out today to explain the next couple of weeks of ministry and how we will function as a church. But we also prepared an identical letter that's being sent out uh, physically so that we don't overlook or miss any of the elderly who might be somewhat disconnected through technology. So we're just trying to think about ways that we can communicate well to the church, not just uh, to encourage them, because we certainly need to do that, but also to uh, function efficiently, to make sure that everyone understands what it is that we're trying to accomplish during this season. So. I think, again, communication is a really big thing that we need to think through as pastors, as we lead to be effective during this time of social distancing, which is a very odd time for us. But yet at the same time, we need to think through what it means to be a member of a church during this season. So, you know, when we read in the scriptures, you know, we're oftentimes reminded of the importance of assembling together and let us not forsake this assembling of ourselves together, right? From Hebrews 10. But we, we often miss verse 24, which says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, right? So when we think about stirring one another up to love and good works, it's often difficult to do that through Instagram or through Twitter or through, you know, some means of just a, a text message that can be somewhat impersonal. So how are ways that Maybe you could help encourage church members to be connected and to be engaged uh, during a season when we're being told by health officials and the president of the United States and state officials to remain at a distance from one another. Yeah, that's it's a helpful point to, to bring that to light in the Hebrews 10 passage. We often assume that we are doing our duty by just gathering together. Um, but I often remind our people 
to try to think when was the last time you considered with any type of seriousness how you might provoke or instigate love and good works um, among your fellow church members. This is an excellent time to do that. Um, those who have needs who aren't able to get out or who, who may be more fearful of getting out. I mean, someone is still having to, you know, get the necessities from the store and to get groceries and those types of things. So touching base with either the larger families or the vulnerable population, the older folks in the congregation, and figuring out how they could be served uh, by simply running errands for them, taking them to the doctor, picking up stuff at the pharmacy. There are lots of ways that we can show practical love uh, outside of what we've mentioned already of just touching base through the electronic means that we have. Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about the imagery that we see in like Romans 12 and other passages where Paul continuously provides us that, that image of a body and that yet we're, we're many members, but yet one body. And so we have these different functions that we all engage in. And so we're not all the same member. We have different gifts. There's been a, a measure of faith that's been given to us, speaking of giftedness, to each of us differently. And so we all have different functionality within the life of the church. So like you said, uh, some of the younger people might could go and do some of these things that the older population that might be more susceptible to this, this illness, you know, could care for them in this season. Or for us, you know, thinking through how we're going to live stream these services and, and do it effectively so that it's not just a sermon, but it's the entire worship service. So our tech team right now is is using their gifts in ways that, that, that I can't because they're gifted in that area and I'm not. And so th they're rising to the surface in many ways within the context of our local church. Uh, because they're often behind the scenes, but right now they're being used in a in a wonderful way to care for the whole church. So I think we need to consider, you know, how we're all gifted and how God has gifted His body so that we can be used in very specific ways during this season. Yes, and we just found out this morning that we have a member that doesn't have internet um, at their home. So now we're attempting to figure out whether or not they have a DVD player because we can quickly burn the sermon from this week onto a DVD and drop it by their house so that they'll be able to have it available. We're not actually planning to live stream on Sunday, but rather record on Saturday evening just to prevent any type of glitches since there are more people uh, dependent on the uh, technology this week. We don't want to take any chances. So I'm going to record this sermon on Saturday evening and we'll have it uploaded and available by Sunday morning. And we'll probably now send a message to the rest of the church, letting them know if anyone doesn't have access to the internet in their home, then we'll drop the DVDs by and allow them to have a sermon for the week from the church. Mm, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, as I sit here now, I'm actually preparing our team, our elders. We're going to be pre-recording the entire worship service this evening. And so it's going to be complete with all of the songs, the, the prayers, the typical worship service that we engage in as a church. And then it's going to be pushed live on Sunday morning. 
And so it's just sort of a weird week for me, just thinking in terms of waking up on a Thursday morning and preparing to preach the Sunday sermon. It's very odd, and it'll be really strange to sit with my family uh, in my living room on Sunday and worship together and sing together, and then I'll be watching myself preach, which will be a really odd experience. Yeah, it's always a nightmare for me when that happens. Not when I watch you preach, when I hear me preach. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is, you know, it's just really odd days. And so we need to think through, you know, how can we care? How can we pray? Pastoral care, oversight, leadership, all of this, you know, so we're being stretched as leaders and we've just encouraged our church to be patient with us as leaders and patient with one another during the season. If there's an oversight, it's not intentional. You know, we're doing the very best we can during the season. Yeah, I think if we, if we encur- along with encouraging the patients, if we also encourage open avenues of communication so that our people do not feel like that us stressing patients is in any way attempting to silence them or that their needs don't, suggesting that their needs don't matter. So I think it's helpful that we also while thanking them for their patience, say, if there are any needs at all, please communicate with us how we can serve you. Yeah, that's a good word. So as we think about what this this whole controversy, this season of social distancing has done for the church, you know, we hear again, everyone in the political sphere talking about the economic situation, the crisis there, you know, bars having to close, uh, you know, stadiums being empty, the NBA canceling or suspending their season, you know, massive events that are canceling one by one. Really, in many ways, this is like the perfect storm for the introvert to remain really disconnected from the church. And so what sort of counsel would you give to someone that's by nature an introvert within this season where it's easy to really just hide and stay disconnected. Um, as far as what the scripture teaches about the need for Christian fellowship, you know, the overlapping, the engaging of one another. So what would you say to someone who really likes this season and wants everyone to sort of stay away? Yeah, well, they do have it easier as a result of their natural inclinations um, with regard to the personality that God has given them. So they should be grateful for that. But at the same time, they have to be careful not to continue hiding away and pressing others away uh, in an attempt to escape uh, the reality of God and who he is and that we are actually members um, of a local church and we have a responsibility if we just coop up in our own homes and seek to have zero communication with the outside world then we are not obeying the expectations of scriptures we're not loving our neighbors well we're not honoring christ we're not serving the fellow members of the church so it really doesn't matter how we feel or how God has made us when it comes to the clear commands of Scripture. We have to be willing to stretch ourselves for the sake of love and for the sake of obedience and continue or using the opportunity to ramp up uh, the commands uh, and the obligations to reach out and to love and to serve. As I think about this season, Anthony, I think about, you know, what a lot of families are being forced to do. 
So this is forcing a lot of families to spend time with one another. A lot of people are off of work as a result of this. And a lot of fathers are actually trying to figure out a way to, you know, gather their family on the Lord's Day uh, around a screen. And if they're really good with technology, they can figure out a way to, you know, cast that through Chromecast or something else onto their television and they can watch the worship service with their family. Now, as I think about this, I think about the fact that this would be a really, really good opportunity for fathers and for mothers to learn the task and the art, if you will, of family worship and to be able to think about gathering the family together on a normative basis, not just during the season of social distancing, but a time where fathers can learn to lead their families, uh, you know, in, in this time of, uh, you know, family worship, which would engage in the reading of the Bible through prayer and to sing together which seems odd, you know, when you think about it, people that aren't used to family worship, they think, well, this is just kind of weird. We're together with our family in the living room and here we are, we're going to sing together and we don't have the, the full church gathered. But really, this is the beauty of teaching. Uh, family worship happens in the living room, gathered with the family that then can become normative so that when you gather with the church, it's like the culmination of what you've been practicing all week, and now you gather on the Lord's Day and you can engage. So how would you encourage families that aren't really accustomed to engaging in family worship, how they can use this time together to sort of begin this journey together and, and start this practice of family worship? Yeah, it's, it's tough uh, for those who haven't been practicing or taking advantage of family worship, but it is a wonderful time to implement it because for most people, now it's going to be different for healthcare workers and others, but for most people, they're going to have more time at home uh, because restaurants are closed and gyms are closed and shopping is being um, more narrowly focused and intentional. I think one thing that families, fathers specifically, husbands, should do is not be disappointed, not expect too much because it will feel awkward. Um, it may not go as anticipated, but it can still be pleasing to the Lord and sanctifying to the family just to get together as a family, to open up the Bible, to read a brief passage, to pray together, to sing a song together. We have family worship on a regular basis, and it doesn't always look pretty. It's definitely not as organized as the Sunday morning service at church. Uh, you know, when we sing, sometimes it's awful. I don't always remember all of the lyrics that we're singing. Sometimes my eight-year-old, who often plays the piano for us when we sing at home, you know, doesn't play all the notes just right or you know, she gets a, a block and can't remember the tune at all because she's just playing by ear. So it's not going to be pretty, but it doesn't have to be. We can still be obedient and it can still be sanctifying and it'll still be pleasing to the Lord. We, we oftentimes put our very best pictures on social media and people just can't see the, the you know, the, the bad aspects of that day that we lived. Uh, so we're just putting the best image forward for people to see. And I think when we talk about, as pastors at least, when we talk about family worship, people have this aspect where they maybe think about, you know, the fact that we're somehow 
you know, at this high level of perfection in our homes. And that's not actually so when it comes to family worship. I mean, anyone that knows that little children can't often, you know, sit through, you know, three or four minutes before they're wanting to run around the living room. And so it's, it's difficult at times to, to just organize children. It's like herding cats at times, but yet at the same time, we're teaching them and over time it becomes more normative. And again, family worship doesn't have to be a 45 minute sermon either. It can just be, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, 18 minutes, you can do an entire family worship gathering and do it really well. Right. I, I think, and if people haven't done it at all, I think even that may be overshooting what would be ideal. You know, seek to read one chapter, which might be four or five minutes and pray together and, and let that be. And as the Lord allows, you know, continue to add more aspects to it or take advantage of piping in music from YouTube, listening to a song that you're all familiar with, rather than just everyone singing a cappella or with a guitar or piano. So as we come to the close of this conversation today, Anthony, what would you say as far as maybe some tools or maybe some resources that you could provide for families during this time? Maybe their church does not live stream, but they're not gathering. And so maybe their pastors have provided some of those resources. Maybe they have not. But what are some good resources that maybe you would point people to whereby they could watch some sermons? Obviously, G3, we have some archives. But are there any other resources that you would point people to that they could use for times of worship during this season of social distancing? Yeah, I think the G3 app definitely provides that. Uh, Sermon audio is a good place to go. And pastors or preachers that you're familiar with, you can just do a search there and narrow it down and hear from someone that you trust via sermon audio. And for those who are familiar with HeartCry Missionary Society, there's a resource page there um, that has sermons in uh, dozens of languages uh, for those who may not uh, be able or uh, to understand English as well and want to hear a sermon in their native tongue. There are lots of resources there available for people as well. Very good. Well, Anthony, thanks so much for joining us today for this conversation. And May God bless. Amen. Thanks. Thank you for giving your time today to listen to this G3 podcast. We're grateful to have you listening uh, on a regular basis. We also want to point you to our social media outlets. You can find us and connect with us through Instagram and through Facebook and also through Twitter. We would also point you to our website where you can find all of the archives from the history of the G3. You can also find out more information about the upcoming G3, which will take place in 2021. And then also we're having a special event, which is going to be a cruise in January. And so we look forward to having you join us for those events. You can find out more information there. Also the G3 app, which is free. You can download that and you can engage there. You can listen to sermons. You can uh, listen to the archives of various conferences. Also, there's a little opportunity there on the top of those sermons. There's a little button that you can push, which would allow you to cast those to your television. So you can watch those on your big screen there if you have access to that technology. And then also at the very bottom, you will see that there is an opportunity for you to give. If God has blessed you financially and you would uh, use your finances as a gift to us to help further the ministry of G3 Ministries moving forward as we're now 
engaging in the interview process, bringing on someone to be the director of operations for G3 Ministries that would help us develop curriculum and media content that would be available for free to everyone who engages in the G3 Ministries moving forward. So uh, if that's you, then we would certainly be very honored to have you partner with us. May God bless you. We hope that you have a wonderful day. And again, we hope that you will be engaged as a profitable and contributing member within your local church for the glory of God. God bless.